Welcome to the Rise of the Ageless Starman. If you are an investor, a scientist, or an entrepreneur, please join us as we discuss about today's innovation and tomorrow's creation. Together we are here to find out how to make humans creative and vital at any age. Welcome to another episode at the Rise of the Ageless Starman. Today, I host David Golan, the co-founder and CTO of Viz.ai, a telehealth company that provides a service that improves the stroke treatment. David is going to explain us how their product works and the importance to get out of a stroke with as less damage as possible to the patient, which will later on in his life will be crucial to preserve a good cognition ability and healthy life. David, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, David, you, you are quite too young. <laughs> and I know you got uh, one, one data for the, use, for the listeners, uh, that you got 100 score in the psychometric uh, test. So, yeah, the, I, I guess everything was open to you. <laughs> you could study everything you want, go to each uh, direction you want. Well, how did you decide to go to, te- to healthcare, health tech? Um, it's a good question. So, obviously, it's not a, it was not my first choice. I've, the, the psychometric test was probably 15 years ago. <clears throat> and since then, I've... I've um, I've done, uh, I had a few stops in my career. I was in the tech industry. I then did a, you know, first, second and a PhD uh, degrees uh, in Tel Aviv University and the postdoc at Stanford. And at Stanford, I met my co-founder and we, we started Viz AI with the, the goal of, you know, improving healthcare and improving stroke care uh, specifically. So, you know, I've, I've had a lot of, uh, different adventures and each one I, I learned something and everything ended up being useful in the this journey yeah and let's uh, just explain that one uh, 800 is the maximum <laughs> score uh, did they tell you uh, how many people got it beside you I have no idea you don't I think to... it's a few dozens every time it's, I, I, don't, I don't know uh, yeah. I don't know exactly uh, I think it's less. You need to, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Don't under underestimated the <laughs> the score. Uh, okay, so um, like your product is about uh, the, uh, the treatment of uh, stroke. Um, so explain us a little bit. How does it work? Yeah. Awesome. So just like two minutes of background on stroke and why it's a, it's a big deal. So stroke happens when blood flow to the brain is obstructed, typically by a clot um, that gets stuck in a blood vessel in the brain. It's a very time critical condition. The brain is a very sensitive tissue and it dies very rapidly. So there's a need to unblock the vessels very, very, very quickly. It's um, the number, it's typically number three or number four uh, killer in the Western world. And it's the number one healthcare expense. 
So if you look at all the other, because it's, stroke creates many times, uh, many times it doesn't kill the patient. It, uh, uh, the patient is left with a severe disability, which generates a lot of misery for the patient and the family, but also a lot of costs for the healthcare system, for the patient and for the family. So it's a big, big, big tragedy and a big focus of healthcare systems. It's the most time critical condition in all of medicine, uh, with the exception of uh, you know, choking on a grape. So every one minute uh, that the treatment is delayed, the patient loses on average 4.2 days of healthy life, which is nuts, 4.2 days. And the cost to the healthcare system, only the direct costs alone, for every one minute of delay is over a thousand dollars. So it's obviously a big deal. We want to identify those patients very, very fast. We want to treat them very, very fast. And we have an amazing treatment, an amazing treatment is like uh, almost science fiction that's called uh, mechanical thrombectomy. So mechanical thrombectomy, what the, what the surgeon does is they make a small incision in the groin and they take a catheter, which is essentially a wire, and they navigate it all the way up to the brain. They get to the clot that's blocking the brain and they engage the clot and remove it, either by a suction or other mechanisms, and they restore flow to the brain. Hmm. And if they do it fast enough, the, enough they can save enough of the brain. And like I said, every minute that goes by, more brain is there. So, you know, we said we have this condition, it's very serious. We have a treatment, we have a financial and clinical incentive. So, you know, you and the listeners might ask why, what's the problem? And the problem is um, getting the patient to the doctor that can treat them. And the fast problem enough. is that patients, tip- yeah, fast enough. And the, the problem is that patients typically show up at the nearest hospital, mm-hmm. um, depending on where you are, but you'll probably get uh, transferred to the nearest hospital. And that hospital can do the diagnosis. They can scan you and they can make a diagnosis, but typically they cannot treat you. Only very large healthcare centers can give you the mechanical thrombectomy because it requires, it's a subspecialty. You need a treatment equipment, you need personnel. So the way this works, you need to be triaged from your local hospital to a bigger hospital. And remarkably, this is where most delays happen. You know, anyone who's been in the hospital, you know, it's, it's, there can be delays, there can be communication issues. You have people from the smaller hospital who are fairly low in the chain of command of the healthcare system. And they're trying to push their patients to the top of the pyramid, which is the large, lucrative uh, healthcare center where you have the neurosurgeon or the neurointerventionist like the most busy person in, in the pyramid. Um, so there's just huge delays. And typically, typically the average time it takes from when a patient is scanned to the time the, the, the physician knows about them for the first time, we're talking hours. Yeah. Like this is hours of delay. And every minute goes by, it's you know, 4.2 days of, uh, of uh, disability uh, added. So you have this very, very challenging logistical orchestration task that needs to happen. And we, at least we developed a solution that basically 
connects everybody together. So what happens with when you install the Viz AI software, the hospital, it connects all the hospitals. All the scans go to the cloud immediately and they're analyzed by an artificial intelligence engine. And the engine can identify which patients have a stroke and which patients don't. And the, the software alerts the specialist that sits at the top of the pyramid on the stroke case almost immediately, within three to four minutes. So what happens is we replace a process that's extremely serial. Well, you know, the, the ER physician tries to push the patient all the way, all the way up the pyramid, I would say, to a process that is becoming from a push process to a pull process. The head of the pyramid now knows about the patient in a few minutes and they reach out and they call the ER at the small hospital and say, hey, you have a patient with a stroke that I can treat Let's work together to transfer the patient. And in some cases, they even do it before the ER knows that the scan is completed. So this is really, really accelerating stroke care. Um, we're now seeing, we're now installed in over 600 hospitals in the US. Oh. So we're now seeing a wave of publications of uh, places that implemented Viz AI and are comparing their performance pre-Viz and post-Viz and are seeing time savings of 20, 30, sometimes 60 minutes. Wow. So they're improving time to treatment, they're seeing better patient outcomes, they're treating more patients, and you know, at the end of the day, what matters is the patients, and the patients are doing better when they implement the system. Yeah, and you say you are doing it only, only in the US for now, or what other countries? Yeah, so, so for now we're in the US, we have plans to expand pretty aggressively in, in 2021. Yeah, nice. Because, you know, a little bit from my uh, research and like your product is very, it has a big potential like in a develop, develop uh, country because, you know, the average age is raising up now and they start to get to the point that they need those solutions, that they yes. have a lot more strokes and heart attacks and stuff like this yeah yeah so no, it's true i mean stroke generally stroke is is a, is a big problem everywhere um you know as countries become more developed and healthcare is becoming more accessible yes you definitely need um you need ways to to deliver the care to to the people that need it for stroke and for many other conditions and i think that you know developing countries actually have an opportunity to solve leapfrog into the future and yeah. implement, uh, build an infrastructure that's built for advanced technology. It's actually very interesting and, yeah. and a very exciting time. Nice. So <clears throat> a little bit about the company, the team, are you international? Uh... Um, yeah, so, so we're an international company. We founded uh, with two founders. Uh, our CEO, Chris Mancy, is a neurosurgeon and a, a British neurosurgeon. And I'm Israeli and we met at, at Stanford in the US. Um, we have uh, an R&D center in Tel Aviv. That's about 70 people. And we have a commercial team. And a lot of the, the rest of the operation is in the US. Um, I would say used to be in San Francisco, but now with COVID-19, everybody's working from home and they're all over, all over the US. And as now we're moving to Europe, moving to other places, we're op opening um, new offices around the world. So it's an exciting time for us, a time of, of, of growth. 
Um, yeah, and, and I think we're almost 200 people now uh, all across the globe. And, and did COVID uh, change a little bit how the product works? Um, so COVID, the, the core product that I described didn't change. That you know, people still get strokes, and stroke is acute enough to, to show up to the hospital even if you're afraid of COVID-19. Um, many other things did change. So one thing is that um, one thing that, that we, we did launch in, in March a COVID-19 um, solution, a COVID-19 product that was um, assisting the care teams, the communication and viewing of images. Mm -hmm. uh, because they are trying to keep people remote to reduce the infection. And I, I mean, it's, it's a bigger discussion, but definitely the, especially in the US, what hospitals care about in terms of finances and the impact COVID-19 had on budgets, um, uh, it, really, it, it changed things. But now, I mean, in terms of the growth of the company, it didn't really impact us. Uh, th there's a lot of other opportunities. For example, hospitals are now more focusing, putting more emphasis on teleradiology. And in a sense, our platform can be seen as teleradiology on steroids or AI-powered teleradiology. Um, so we're seeing some places that are adopting it um, for, for that purpose. And yeah, so I mean, there's, there's definitely challenges. Internally, a lot of stuff changed. We were working from home. We are now doing everything remotely. We used to travel to hospitals to, you know, to train them, to install the system. Now we're doing everything remotely because we're not allowed in hospitals anymore and we don't want to be on um, you know, planes. So it, it did change a lot and it made us, I think, a way more agile and way more lean uh, company in many, many ways. Because if you don't travel, you can, you can support more customers and you can install more customers. So, Yeah. It's actually been an interesting experience. It forced you to improve. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. And, and so uh, in terms of uh, research, like if the, your product analyzes uh, the stroke, you think uh, in the future you will give some, uh, uh, some s there will be benefit from the data for uh, predicting or... Understanding better strokes? Yeah, so I think the answer is definitely yes. Um, so, you know, we're, we're um, I, I wouldn't say slowly, but sure, quickly, but surely we're uh, generating the world's largest data on stroke patients. Um, you know, we're seeing tens of thousands of patients every month through the system. So there's definitely a lot of research questions that people can ask. And, you know, working with a lot of academics and researchers in the stroke world, Um, they're coming to us with a hypothesis and, and think like, what would be the dream, a dream, um, you know, an algorithm that would really change stroke care for them um, and, and stuff like that. And I'll give you an example. So one, one example is a very critical um, data point for stroke treatment is what's called the last known well. That's the, the moment that the stroke uh, hit the onset of the stroke, right? Because as the stroke, um, you know, as time progresses, the brain accumulates damage. Mm -hmm. So we really want to know, we're treating pe people based on how much time passed from, from the stroke. 
But in many, many, many cases, you don't know, right? We have what we call wake-up strokes. So someone who woke up and, you know, their spouse realized they had a stroke. We don't know if the stroke happened at 5 a.m. or at 10 p.m. And that makes all of the difference in what therapies they're eligible to. So that's one option. The other person, option, someone was alone when the stroke happened, right? So we tried to investigate what the last known well, who's the last person who saw them alive, who saw them well, uh, so we can decide on treatment. Or if someone doesn't speak English, for example, and they show us alone at the hospital or with, uh, you know, unconscious. Um, so that's a data point that the physicians often miss. And they, a lot of times when I ask people, what is your dream, you know, what AI can do for you if you're like your wildest uh, fantasy? They say, I want to know the onset of the stroke based on the scans. And I give you the scans, you tell me five hours, seven hours, 12 hours, so I can know how to treat the patient. Um, so, I mean, that's something that's very futuristic, but would be, would be very interesting. Um, other times they're asking, they're talking about, um, tell me which therapies will work, right? Based on the brain, based on the imaging, based on what you see, um, what can we what can we say based on you know you see the imaging you see the brain sometimes you can really see the properties of the clot in the brain can we predict which drug or which therapy or which treatment would work better for this um, for this specific clot so definitely there's, i think there's a lot to be done for stroke um in, in you know, specifically but uh, we're just uh, scratching the surface of what we can do um, in healthcare with AI. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, and of course, it's uh, it's amazing that you have such a big data and you can uh, provide uh, insight. Um, I saw on the website, you have a demo. Well, what does it include? Like what uh, someone who wants to, to use it and uh, try? Um yeah, so I mean, you can download on the, if you go to your favorite app store, uh, or, you know, Google Play, uh, you can download the VizAI training app, that's the demo. And basically it shows the basic functionality. So it simulates uh, getting the alert, viewing the scans on the phone, the chat functionality. So we can sort of get a look and feel. It's, it's, it's mostly for physicians. Yeah. Uh, they want to know sort of what, what to expect when they install the product. Um, but, you know, anyone can play with it. It's, it's uh, it pretty much shows the functionality. Yeah, and they don't need like that the hospital will uh, install something like they can understand from the demo on their app what what is going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, they have the context, right? If someone is a stroke specialist, um, they they know they know what's yeah. going on. And typically, it's it's not uh, you know it's, it's also typically part of a conversation. Uh, so. You know, typically in a conversation, they download the, 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 the demo, you sort of walk them through it, so you give the full context. Um, yeah. That, that's typically how we do it. Okay, David. Thank you for uh, the interview. It's very interesting. Um, Pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's really one of those things I like that I'm trying to deliver to the audience, the, the perception that... Uh, you can do something with aging and uh, to prevent the damage. How how important that 
there is something to do. You know, I yeah. try to, uh, I will give one example on myself. Like um, before I started this podcast, that my perception of like, let's say gene therapy was that uh, like, if someone told me about gene therapy, I started to imagine like something that you need to put a gene on someone, like to discover what this gene is doing. And, and like you need a technology to, to put it in a person and, and you need to make it safe enough and that it will be, um, you can do it on humans and everything. And, uh, it sounds to me like science fiction. And what I discovered that there is another path for uh, drug development in gene uh, therapy that you can uh, try to imitate what the gene does and try to activate it in the body, the, pos the process. So this is a shift of, of uh, perception that is more tangible like for me. And yeah. and. This is what I want to the audience to understand that maybe be open-minded, find the ways to maintain the body healthy, and and for investor, of course, <laughs> and yes. to start to start investing in in uh, the longevity field. And your products already discover, already provides a service that can at least maintain the body much healthier. And this is a way to go. And I want to thank you for uh, going to this direction and uh, joining to my podcast. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.